This is Colin Zenshu, the podcast, episode 366 for the week of July 20th, 2014. What up, heyos? Welcome to Kanzenshu. The podcast. That's right, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. Kanzenshu. We cover anything and everything. It is literally everything right now. Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Happy to have back on the show slightly more regularly, it feels like now. Mr. Herms, Jake himself. Hello, sir. Hello. How are things out in uh, the warm lands of the pacific ocean it's actually pretty rainy lately is it oh i guess that's to be expected actually uh things have been busy though yeah fairly busy off and on i know uh julian was happy to unload a little bit of translation work to you was that like a, a week or so ago yes yeah, that was last week i guess let's just run down that real quick it was a, a new content edition the full color manga it's weird I, I say it's come to a close the digital edition has been out for a while and then shueisha was going through and releasing what i guess we can call the z portion of the dragon ball manga if you want to go with the viz delineation there uh, up through the end of the majin buu arc which was split into six parts we got one through three and then four through six part three of the boo arc had a little bit of q a stuff and it feels like they saved all the juicy details for four five six and took us a little bit but we got to it and we got not a ton of new key information but some yeah i don't think they talked about key at all <laughs> uh, uh-huh. i have to imagine they mentioned it somewhere it's gotta be in there somewhere uh but i guess the uh mr satan's wife was kind of the biggest bombshell very controversial for reasons I don't fully appreciate. Yeah, I think people are getting too wrapped up in gender role discussions and not the actual information itself. Uh, What was the tidbit here about Mr. Satan's wife? So it turns out, according to Toriyama, that Mr. Satan's wife was named Miguel, which as a... More than a few people have pointed out is traditionally a man's name. But anyway, the joke here is it derives from the name of the archangel Michael from the Bible, which literally means who is like God. Right. So as uh, Toriyama points out, when they got married, people said, oh, it's like the devil and an angel getting married. And that's it. (laughs) That's the joke. That's the whole thing. So yeah, a lot of people have been kind of, I guess upset is the right word, that Toriyama has used a traditionally, but not exclusively, uh, male name for Mr. Satan's wife. And on the forums, I know uh, Coldskin over in France pointed out that in France, there's actually a female variant spelling. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, in retrospect, maybe we could have used that, but I don't think it's that big of an issue, frankly. No, I mean, this is something that I, I know you like to bring up so often is Dragon Ball. We're in a position where we know too much and we take for granted all the strangeness in the series. And if you were a, a new fan coming into it, the strangeness of a deceased wife named Miguel is not all that strange when compared to some of the other stuff that happens. I guess I should also point out that uh, Tori doesn't specifically say that this is Videl's mother. He just says it's Mr. Satan's wife. That's true. I mean, we're inferring so, there, but... Yeah, since it's a man's name, maybe there's something about Mr. Satan we don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're reading into it a little too much there. Maybe a tiny bit. Probably. But uh, other stuff, new information, it was just... I think the the most interesting one there was BBD split off Bobbidi, kind of similar to Namekian regeneration, or at least Piccolo Daimao in a way. Yeah, they use the same word, uh, Bunshin doppelganger, to describe... 
uh, Toriyama does to describe Bobbity in relation to Bibbity. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, rather than being a child, he's more like a doppelganger because Bibidi had the magical power to split up into multiple versions of himself whenever there's anything that would be kind of difficult for one of him to do. Mm-hmm. Almost the thing this reminds me of more than anything is actually the brooms in the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason. It's not a direct parallel, but I guess the magic analog. Sure, like, sure. Anyway, so... And then Toriyama says, like, uh, whenever he did this, it would weaken his magical power in proportion, which also brings up Tinshinhan's ability to split sure. into four versions of himself, where it said he did that, but it would make him a fourth weaker. And right. then Toriyama says, well, you know, now that Bibbidi's dead, Bobbidi has, like, the full extent of the magical powers for himself now. So he is the one. Yes. It's, yeah, the Jet Li movie. <laughs> uh, that was kind of it for really interesting information in there. A lot of recap stuff and... Yeah, literally, they seem to be recycling Toriyama comments from previous interviews. Yeah, I mean, they went into the Shinjin and the Makayo Shin again. It kind of feels word for word, or at least paraphrase from 2009. Yeah, I haven't checked, so I don't know if Toriyama's repeating himself or if they're literally just uh, recycling quotes from previous books without really noting that that's what they're doing. Yeah, it it did feel like an overwhelming review plus new tidbit. Review plus new tidbit. Which is funny because, as we've mentioned on one of my previous appearances, some of the new tidbits don't quite fit with the old tidbits, so seeing them referenced back-to-back is kind of funny looking. (laughs) Right, right. Now we're we're back to the Makayoshin versus all the other explanations. All right, so you can check that out on the sites in the translation sections probably still on the home page of the website if not page two by now the full color majin boo arc volumes four through six q a's uh most of the answers from toriyama but some of the early stuff there is usually just shueisha answering their own questions and uh i know you said let's add in toriyama where it's him answering to be a little more explicit so we did that that's that well uh jake while you are here with me we have a pretty wonderful podcast that is a combination information slash shilling episode we don't get to do those too often no we need more shilling is what i've always said (laughs) is that what you've always said about us we need more shilling i didn't know this always okay so uh we are gonna pull ourselves out of a little bit of a slump here i already made the joke other people made the joke it's not that funny i just feel like toriyama it's like acknowledging your joke is so terrible you say it anyway it's a flawless plan it is. So uh, Dr. Slump is on tap this episode. Jake, we have talked about Dr. Slump in the past. A little bit of the um, kind of more explicit references where it's, uh, hey, they're crossing over. Who are these characters? But we're going to dig a little deeper. And this is almost a reflection on Dr. Slump in terms of is Toriyama repeating ideas from Dr. Slump? Did he draw inspiration from some prior stuff? Uh, and I just did a crash course review on some of the things that I had not actually read before. I've owned the whole thing for a while but it only uh really really read about half of it before so a lot of this stuff toward the end was like oh my god mind-blowing to go and look at some of this stuff so that's our uh our topic this episode and we of course have news uh jake did you hear there's a new movie coming oh is there yeah you ready for this uh sure i don't think any of us are fully prepared so let's talk about news 
there's some other news this week. I mean, there's Xenoverse. His hair can go gold. Looks like JM6 will have a new thing for Broly and Dragon Ball Heroes. None of that even matters right now because a new movie for Dragon Ball has been announced for 2015. We had a record scratch insert last week. It's the kind of thing where we had just finished recording and hours after that is when the news comes out. So, uh... Jake, the the initial announcement came from this month's issue of V-Jump. It is the September issue of V-Jump. There have been other announcements since then. I know Weekly Jump was having something in there. Um, various websites had some reveals as well. We had a translation here of the comments from Toriyama. We're actually getting kind of lengthy comments up front. I wasn't expecting that. Usually we get a couple sentences about him looking forward to it, and then we get expansion on that later on. What do you think about that? Well, I remember from the last movie, they had this fairly lengthy quote from him that, if I recall correctly, we first only got a relatively small excerpt from it. Right, right. And yeah, so maybe this time they're not even bothering. They're just releasing the full quote right off the bat. Yeah, it may also be the uh, depth of his involvement this time around where it's he's kind of responsible for a lot of the stuff. So he may as well go to the source here. I guess I will go ahead and read the translation here of Toriyama's initial spiel, and then we'll get into all the nitty gritty what we have learned since then. So Toriyama says, as with the last movie, I thought up the new story for the next Dragon Ball theatrical movie as though it were a continuation of the manga when it was still in serialization. Just the fact that I don't have to draw anything means I can obsess completely over the smallest bits of dialogue. Well, the truth is that I wasn't planning on going that far, since it's pretty exhausting at my age, but I got a little carried away. This time will of course be a continuation of the previous Battle of Gods, but I've deliberately increased the amount of action scenes by a good deal. With regard to the contents, they told me, keep it a secret, like they're all high and mighty, so I can't touch on it just yet, but it should be super duper interesting. The fact that I'd say that when I'm not big on the flashy action stuff means there's no doubt about it. Even my first editor, Torishima, who rarely ever praises me, said, this is good. Absolutely no doubt about it. Although it won't be any good if I say that too loudly and people end up disappointed by it. But at the very least, I'm confident that the contents are something that the fans will be able to thoroughly enjoy. Right now, I'm drawing the design illustrations for the new character or characters plural, Japanese, and such. The movie's completion is still a ways out in the future, but please look forward to it. Now, Jake, there was that initial kind of misconstruing there about Toriyama writing it. Yeah, it's not that, um, I believe, Anime News Network's first report on it said right. that it was an idea he had had back during the manga's serialization, but as we saw, he just says that he's trying to picture, like, he's pretending that it were back in the olden days and he's still doing the manga to help him think up a new story. Right, it's right. not. It is not an idea that he had... Uh, oh, all the like 20 years ago and is only now just putting into this movie it's something he's newly thinking up as if it were um as if he were still doing the manga so yeah anything else you want to pull out from toriyama's comments here uh i think the torishima one is something a lot of people have flashed onto it's like oh man is uh old editor there's approving that's that's a good sign right yeah it's like we don't really care if toriyama likes the new movie but torishima he's hard to impress <laughs> right i mean this is literally i i guess we're going to get into torishima sure later on but <laughs> so yeah his first editor whose catchphrase more or less was rejected 
mm-hmm. because he was infamous for just rejecting all of Toriyama's initial ideas and throughout Dr. Slump and the first portion of Dragon Ball. And as we've discussed also on previous podcasts, um, Toriyama's editors have a fairly big influence on the direction of the series just in shaping Toriyama's uh, plot ideas. And also, um, Torishima is the one who, even when he was no longer Toriyama's editor, he called him up to express his displeasure with the initial Android designs. Right, right, which I know we've talked about a lot lately. And the rest is, his, you know, the thing that led to 19 and 20 not being the actual villains, and then the introduction of 17 and 18 and all that jazz. Uh, Anything else there? It sounds like classic Toriyama where he's, oh, I got super into it and I don't have to draw anything that's awesome and I didn't mean to do all this work but I did anyway that sounds very similar to Battle of Gods yeah um, he's very enthusiastic when he doesn't have to do all the work. Right, exactly. And, uh, okay, I guess, as you mentioned, there's the uh, thing he said back in February about potentially making Vegeta the main character. Yeah, why don't we talk about that? Uh, the quote, I don't have it right in front of me, but the gist of it was, if I were to do another movie or be involved with another movie, wouldn't it be neat if perhaps Vegeta could possibly be the main character of the movie, but I don't have anything planned right now. And we still don't know if that's the case. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we now know that there is indeed a new movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, his initial, like the thing he threw out there kind of almost on a whim about making Vegeta the main character. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's no real reason to think that's going to hold. I mean, it might, but don't get your hopes up Vegeta fans. Right. I mean, it could go either way. We really have nothing to go on. I know a lot of people said, oh, well, the first picture was of Goku. So I guess that's not it. It's, it's a Dragon Ball movie. Of course, the first picture is going to be Goku. Yeah, I mean, and he's teleporting. And who knows if that's going to be significant or not. <laughs> right. It could be nothing. Um, well, I guess that brings us to some of the next bits of information. And that's where uh, we got the tagline for the new movie. And I know there was, uh, again, more problems with translations here. The uh, final one that we decided on was the whole universe has been waiting. A godly dimension of battle begins. Now, can you tell us what was going on with a little bit of the wordplay there? Yes. So the important thing to note about that tagline is that the subject is battle. Okay. And the word battle, so it says a battle begins. So the word battle is being modified by this uh, this word godly dimension. So the tagline, it's not talking about a dimension. It's talking about... The battle is being described. It's not a location of a godly dimension. It's uh, the thing that you were equating it to, or maybe some other folks were, were in Battle of Gods where they're saying, man, this, this battle is just like on a whole different plane. That doesn't mean that they're fighting in an alternate dimension. It just means it's so extraordinary that it's, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's like saying they're taking it to the next level level right right. there's no actual level that they're taking it (laughs) they're not actually like stepping up into the air and then i mean they did fight in the air but yeah apart from that there's the bit of wordplay where um it's god dimension which is a homophone for new dimension which is typically the kind of stock phrase you'd see like a new dimension Mm -hmm. but because i mean so the interesting thing there is that so they use god which does imply that this movie will also be about gods 
maybe but not it could just also just be a godly level metaphorically in that way too but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where with dragon ball we have little literal gods walking around so when something's described as godly it's potentially more significant than if it were another series mm-hmm. anyway so that's that that's kind of it all right so we got that that was and again you noted that the picture of goku there using his teleportation and he's got kind of a smirk on his face that's that's it that's all we got there so then the next thing was when toei opened the official website for the movie i thought this was interesting because uh people dug up the dragon ball 2015.com domain and uh eventually that got locked down to a coming soon page and it had all the right information tagline and everything but then they ended up opening the what seems to be the real website at d2015gw.com the gw is for golden week which we knew about as well from v jump which is when this movie will uh debut jake just Real quick, what is Golden Week in Japan? Uh, Everyone gets a week off and they're very happy. (laughs) That accurately sums it up. That's fine. Uh, So when this website popped up, we uh, did not get that same tagline. We actually had something new, different, and pretty ominous and exciting at the same time. A picture of Shenlong and the Japanese text alongside says, the worst wish in history. That is the beginning of despair. So certainly sounds a bit dark and foreboding, but... At the same time, with the last movie, we got like that initial trailer where, which also made the movie seem like it was going to be a bit more dark than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't know how much we can go by these early images. I guess it sh- we should say like Saiaku. So it's usually used for like the you know it means the worst, but literally you break it down, it means the most evil. Mm-hmm. So probably they're not talking about someone just making like a stupid wish. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, like yeah, it does seem to be like there's going to be an evil wish. But we don't really know what that means. Well, we know there will be a wish involved. That seems to be for certain so far. Yeah. And as um, I think Chukita on the forums, like she went and looked up all previous instances of the word Zetsubo being used in Dragon <laughs> Ball. So, uh, Zetsubo, hopeless despair. Um, yeah. And so I think 90% of them are used in relation to future Trunks's future. Yep. That sounds about right. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but yeah, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be about future Trunks's future, but that's the kind of uh, atmosphere that this word is going for. Yeah. Just the, oh no, this is so awful. So, all right. Uh, I guess that brings us to what is probably the most recent bit of information. And hopefully we don't get anything else. So I don't have to record an insert tomorrow morning. And that is Tadayoshi Yamamuro is going to be the director of the movie. This is kind of crazy. I have to admit, I have not much understanding of the full significance of this. Well, the thing is, he's not a director. That's probably what's the head scratcher here. Yamamuro, he's my number three guy. <laughs> if you go down the list of Maeda to Nakatsuru to Yamamuro, responsible for so much promotional art and um, animation supervision. He's a really important figure with Dragon Ball, but he's not really a director. So to see him step up into that role is kind of curious. He's the guy who did the initial designs for Super Saiyan God. That's the correct. Ones, the, the ones that Toriyama rather pointedly rejected and came up with his own stuff for. 
Right. He's a character designer by trade as well as a supervisor. So that's what we're used to him doing is coming up with the ideas and overseeing the implementation of these things, uh, the animation side. Not necessarily this. You think of a director, you think kind of like guiding the story and assisting in like a larger role. And to think back to Yamamuro's just the character designs being rejected to now be at, I'll call it a higher level, working kind of alongside Toriyama there, because if Toriyama is the one coming up with all this stuff, Maybe it's a case where Toriyama's good with it, and then he says, okay, now go use my stuff. I'm good with whatever you do once I'm good with my stuff, maybe? So he's literally never directed anything before? I don't know. I get, yeah, that is actually kind of, well, interesting at the least. I mean, at least in terms of Dragon Ball, I mean, we have now listed him as movie director because <laughs> he will be working on the upcoming movie. But character designer, animation supervisor, key animation artist, and chief supervisor. Well, everyone's got to start somewhere. That's true. So uh, maybe he did direct something at one point and I'm totally missing it and I'm talking out my bum. But I think that is the situation right now. I mean, maybe I'm putting too much faith in Toei, but I have to assume that they wouldn't make him the director of this movie if they didn't think he had some capacity to direct well. Well, at the same time, you think you're giving Toei too much credit for their yeah, own good. Uh... We're C, I guess. (laughs) All right. I think that's where we stand. We have a new Dragon Ball movie coming out, Golden Week 2015. It it starts all over again. Hooray. (laughs) We're not going to sleep for another year. With that said, man, let's take it over to our topic. Now, Jake, this topic, again, don't listen to a word we say. We're doing this in the interest exclusively of selling you a DVD box set so you can ignore everything we say unless you're interested in it. Uh, Discotech is putting out the first Dr. Slump movie set, first of hopefully more. It covers movies one through five. Jake, why would we be talking about that right here on the show? Well, because um, a certain Mr... Uh, Ashura on the forums, he uh, contacted me. He So he works at Disco Tech. Well, he works as a, a video game yeah. guy and he does like freelance stuff. So his daytime job is video game design. And then on the side, he does the cover designs for Disco Tech as well. And so he was working on this Dr. Slump set and they actually had all of these subtitles done, but he wanted someone who knew about the like Dr. Slump to come in and look them over just to make sure that they weren't completely horrible and so so he contacted me and i basically came and gave the subtitles a look through and rewrote a bunch of stuff for various reasons uh, so the big important part of all this is that i managed to get the name Konzenshu on the back cover of this dvd <laughs> sure did sure did tell us a little bit about some of the work that went in there like what were some of the things that you smoothed out that you changed entirely so like one of the things is that um in the second movie there's this little scene oh god it's incredible difficult to explain but <laughs> Dr. Slump makes no sense yeah. I know it's it's an in what it is is it's a in show it, well it's a, a scene that they reuse from the actual main series mm-hmm. yeah it's a bunch of it's an in joke and pun and it like the original translator didn't understand it quite naturally like they had no real way of knowing what the hell anybody was talking about so the subtitles didn't really make any sense and so i had to change them so that it did still doesn't really make sense but it makes sense in the way it's supposed to not make sense (laughs) okay sure okay so in uh, more concrete terms like uh, there's a character in the last movie whose name is a pun on nasubi the japanese word for eggplant Mm-hmm. And so the spelling they went with um, didn't really reflect that. So I changed the spelling so that it's more obvious. Okay. So kind of like a tell less situation. 
Yeah, basically. Just basically stuff like that. I mean, we'll all get around to watching it, and I'm sure once you watch it, will be like, oh yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that. Yeah. So uh, we are here to promote that by talking about Dr. Slump, not really talking about the contents of those movies. I mean, we may address things here and there, but we're primarily talking about the original manga series. Now, Jake, like I said, we have talked about Dr. Slump before. We did basically a primer episode where we introduced you to the main cast, specifically as it related to the Red Ribbon Army arc in Dragon Ball, where we do have a rather significant crossover and Arale really helps <laughs> Goku in, in his fight there specifically against um, Blue. Blue. Thank you. I don't know why I blanked on that there. So what we wanted to talk about here was some of the stuff that Toriyama basically ripped wholesale from himself. I mean, we've seen so much of this later on as it relates to ripping things from Dragon Ball or just general Toriyama-isms, so to speak. But there's a couple examples here where it's like, really? You already did that pretty much exactly as is in Dragon Ball. And again, we know too much about Dragon Ball. A lot of people don't know enough about Dr. Slump. So it's kind of like primer number two here. And the nice thing is that Viz has translated the entirety of the Dr. Slump manga and some of it was out of print for a while. I believe all of the print volumes are back in print and it's available digitally as well. I can't speak to the overall translation, but it reads pretty well. I, I can tell when they tried to smooth some stuff over, but overall it's a good read. So we're going to go down a little bit of uh, list items and just mind-blowing examples here. Yes, so the first, the most probably major example overall... Jake, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's an evil scientist who sends out a spy robot to spy on the main hero and then creates robots slash androids to go defeat the hero. And who is this uh, evil villain? Well, it's uh, Dr. Mashirito, who is based explicitly off of Toriyama's initial editor, Torishima. Yeah, Mashirito Torishima. And so these robots that he makes are called the Carmel Men, for reasons that I've never seen explained. And is this where Carmel Mama comes from? With the uh, folks who do the guidebooks? I I don't know. I think it's a coincidence, but offhand, I've looked and I've never seen, like, on any, I've never seen an explanation for why these robots are called Carmel Men. Mm -hmm. I probably should know that as the resident Dr. Slump expert, but I've, <laughs> right. I've got, I've come up with nothing. Okay, that's fine. So that's basically where we're at. He uh, sends out the robots and he builds a bunch and he makes numbers one through nine. Yes, and the... In classic Toriyama style, there's a slight bit of discrepancy with the numbering system. Yeah. Where um, there's one, I believe it's the f number five, where there's two number fives. The thing is with Dr. Slump, it's a, it's a, it doesn't have like long running story arcs like uh, with Dragon Ball. No, it'd be like two or three or four chapters at most sometimes. Yeah. So with this, with Dr. Mashirito, he appears first in volume six and he's around for like, two three chapters and then he goes away and yeah. next he, he comes back just volumes later yeah it's a long time later caramel man number two and so that's the pattern throughout the rest of the series is they just pop up periodically with a new robot to menace the gang although we have to say some of the robots i mean one's a mask yeah yeah <laughs> he just puts on a mask and walks around very loose definition here i mean it another, is another is just a car basically right he's just him inside like an empty suit looking out of view hole i mean some of these aren't really anything although we do get a pretty significant one in number four anyway so yeah the main one i guess is the fourth one who he eventually takes to just copying arale herself mm -hmm. with those aforementioned spy robots and arale of course is the main character the robot invented by the genius senbei 
the titular Dr. Slump. This Carmel Man number four is like her in every way except uh, it's a male male robot to the extent that makes sense right and it has the exact opposite personality so while alrale is uh obsessed with poop and wild and crazy uh this caramel man number four is very polite he's a good boy yeah yeah and it's he's so good in fact that he uh joins the good guys and betrays his creator and he takes up the name ubochaman right he kind of discovers that i think even he even asks people like are they good or are they bad oh they're good wait i've been had yeah, uh, Mashirito isn't really the cleverest person when it comes to disguising his true intentions. No, he's like, they're bad. You go defeat them. And he goes and, Obochimon <laughs> goes and lives with Senbei and everyone for a while to kind of like infiltrate. But he's like, wait, everyone's so nice and helpful. Yeah, so we could say he's like the equivalent of number 16. Almost. He is in some ways. Yeah, or yeah. no, I guess number eight, really. But. Yeah, yeah, it's probably closer. See, that's the thing is this almost worked where you could be like, man, maybe Gero based his stuff off of, off of Mashirito, but the numbers don't quite line up. I mean, because we do start with eight in Dragon Ball. If he had started with number 10 and then with DBZ movies where we start then again with number 13, we almost had consistency. But of course, okay, so that brings up the craziness with the numbers where, so after Obochaman, I'm pretty sure there's two number fives, like mm-hmm. separated by a period of months. And then uh, later on, so uh, in the end, Mashirito turns himself into the final Carmel Man, number nine, right. except when he first appears... Like he's got the he's got the wrong number. I think when he first appears, he's number eight, mm-hmm. and then midway through, Toriyama's and he he has eight. He has the number written directly on his forehead, mm-hmm. and so uh, midway through, Toriyama's like, "Oh, a reader has informed me that there have actually been nine Carmel men so far. So uh, from now on, you're Carmel Man number nine. And so he's just got nine. Like it, the original numbers crossed out, and he's got nine painted over it. That's awesome. I mean, there was one volume in particular I was reading where at the end of every chapter, it was a recap of everything he's been doing wrong lately. Yeah. It's so good. It's so funny. So, I mean, basically what we're getting at here is, of course, that Mashirito is Dr. Garrow before there was a Dr. Garrow. Yeah, I mean, it's so many similarities. It's just one is funny and one's dead serious. Pretty much. Although I guess if you look at it, Dr. Garrow can be kind of funny in his own way. I suppose that's and, true. And of course, in the, oh, so in the end, Mashirito, he becomes number nine, ver- this really goofy looking robot, and he's defeated by Obao Chaman. So like Garo, he's killed by his own creation. Exactly. <laughs> Spoiler, Mashirito yeah, destroyed. No, it doesn't. With this kind of series, it really doesn't matter. Um, we have a couple little ones before we get to a couple big ones again. And there was a, a period of time where on Daizenshu EX, I had some really awesome contests. One was a series of 100 side-by-side images where one was absolutely a panel from Dragon Ball and one was absolutely not a panel from Dragon Ball. And this character was absolutely one that I used side by side. Yeah, so this is Sun Sukusun, RLA's uh, pseudo-Chinese friend who looks basically like Yamcha. Yeah, he pretty much is. I mean, more like early period Yamcha than mm-hmm. later, just because, well, just because of how Toriyama's art style changes. But Yeah, and Yamcha hairstyles and everything too. So Yeah, yeah. So he looks like, he looks like short-haired Yamcha. That's pretty much all there is to him, except he gets a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a more uh, compared to Mashirito, it's kind of a more vague, uh, vague reference, not reference, vague influence on Dragon Ball. Right, right. But I mean, it it used to be a pretty big joke that Yamcha looked. I think it was actually Steve Simmons back in the day who, when this was brought up on the forums, uh, someone on the forum asked why how Yamcha got his scar. 
Uh-huh. And uh, Simmons said that he didn't want to be mistaken for Suku soon anymore. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. Yes. And okay, so the other thing about Suku soon is that towards the end of the manga, there's a, a story arc where he gets angry and becomes way stronger, which of course um, is a pattern reused in Dragon Ball fairly extensively. And also he becomes a tiger when girls touch him, but that is not reused in Dragon Ball. All right, let's talk about God. Yes, and not just any God. So speaking of reused character designs. <laughs> this one, is it's the same thing. Yeah, even Toriyama cannot deny that this is uh, him being lazy. So in the in volume 17 of Dr. Slump, it's revealed that the uh, Gachan, so RLA, she has um, these two, well, she has this one friend called Gachan, who's like this little floating angel who eventually splits into two. So she has two friends right. called Gachans. And it's finally revealed that they are literally angels sent to Earth by God, God of the galaxy, who's not a purple catfish guy, but is in fact a Kame Senin riding on a weird plane thingy. This character looks exactly like Kame Senin, only he doesn't have his sunglasses and he has a star in his forehead. And he even has the staff. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's... It's the same. Well, it's like the classic um, wizard staff. Like yeah, all, yeah. All hermits, senins in Japanese sages, manga. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you'd get a twig that's sh- that has that knob at the end. Like, is the idea that they carve it like that, or is it? I, I feel I like that's gotta be the case, right? Like, you find something that maybe resembles that shape, and you keep that knobby part up top, and you just kind of shave it down. I mean, you have to assume that some uh, Japanese cosplayer knows exactly how to make these staffs, right? Has official-looking ones somewhere, right? So, in the Dragon Ball Tankobon Volume Two Q and a Toriyama fan essentially calls Toriyama out on this, uh, the resemblance between this god and Kame Senin in Dragon Ball. And he says, yeah, yeah, I like the character design, so I reused it. Speaking of reusing ideas, but this is kind of a shonen staple, and that's the tournament. So in Dr. Slump, there are a number of different races and other competitions. These are like most of the longer storylines are these sorts of things you know dr slump usually one chapter it's you know the stories are just one chapter long but every now and then there's longer stuff and usually it's some kind of thing of a race or tournament and so the first the big one i guess is the penguin village grand prix which they first have in volume eight and then the other one is at the very end of the series it's actually to the extent that dr slump has a climax it's the climax (laughs) of the series right in which uh toriyama Literally, like it begins with Toriyama going to the mayor of Penguin Village and asking for ideas on how to end the series. And the mayor's like, have a big race. And then whoever wins gets to be the new mayor because I want to leave this job. It's kind of like Animal Crossing in that regard. I don't know if you played the most recent one. No. <laughs> mayor just ditches and you're mayor. And so besides the um, tournament, I mean, besides the Grand Prix, there's also the strongest. Who's the strongest in the world tournament? All right, let's break it down. In Dragon Ball, it's Tenka Ichi Budokai. What is it in Dr. Slump? In Dr. Slump, it's uh, Sekai Ichi Suyoi wa Dare Da uh, Budokai. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's a little, it's this very, not slangy, but it's it's not like a, a formal title, like Tenka Ichi Budokai. It's like literally if you were saying the sentence, who is the gotcha. strongest in the world? It's more of a, a phrase or a sentence than it is a title. Got it. Yeah. But yeah, they use, the big thing though is they use Sekai Ichi instead of Tenka Ichi, which essentially means the same thing. Hmm, strongest right. in the world. Anyway, so this is in volume 16, and obviously this is a more direct predecessor to the Tenkaichi Budokai because it's a martial arts tournament. The other big thing here is that 
in this tournament, there is a uh, a Godzilla ripoff called the Daikaiju Rajigo. Rajigo being Godzilla, an anagram for Godzilla. Uh, Rajigo Gojira. Got yeah. it. So besides being a Godzilla ripoff, he's also kind of a direct predecessor to Giran in that he's, a, you know, a kaiju in a martial arts tournament. But even more so than that. <laughs> the the, the Lanfan predecessor? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's another contestant who looks exactly like Lanfan and... Takes off her clothes. Yeah, and, it's yeah. pretty much the exact same setup. But, okay, so uh, with Rajigo, so uh, we have uh, as Sun Sukusun who enters this tournament and he beats up this he beats an opponent and then immediately after that uh his next opponent is rajigo who just steps in and breathes fire all over him mm-hmm. and so soon sukusun immediately like he gives up you know it's like the daffy duck thing where he's covered in ash he's mm-hmm. like, and he's like oh i surrender and so this it, like the sequ- in uh db episode 17 when they're introduced you know goku and krillin they're training and uh kami senen says you know if you do if you train hard you can enter the tenkaichi budokai and so there's this there's an explanation of what this is and so they show like a in the anime only they have these scenes like these hypothetical uh here's what the tournament is like scenes mm-hmm. and so as part of that they show this like exact same sequence like the a character who looks like soon suku soon beats another character and then is uh, gets breathed on by fire by a uh, monster who looks like Godzilla. Gotcha. So essentially, it, they just reuse this bit from Dr. Slump for this uh, anime. Not really filler, but... Mm-hmm. You Expansion. Know, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't remember if it was the same tournament, but as I was flipping through, I'm pretty sure I saw something where... I don't know if it was a robot or someone in a suit or something. They were expelling a smell and someone couldn't continue their fight because the smell was so bad. Oh, darn it. Yeah. What is that? I don't remember, but that's very clearly... It's not referencing Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball hadn't happened yet, but it made me think of uh, Bacterian. And so um, in Daisen Shu 2, in his interview there, Toriyama says that these sorts of mini-events throughout Dr. Slump were his direct inspiration for the Tenkaichi Budokai in Dragon Ball, because at first, you know, Dragon Ball, the it wasn't really all that popular during its initial uh, search for the Dragon Ball storyline. Right. And so after that wrapped up, Toriyama was thinking of ways to make it more popular. And so he's like, well, you know, these tournament things, they're really, they worked pretty well in Dr. Slump. Maybe I should have something like that here too. And so that kind of defined the course of the rest of the series, really. You know, we have pretty much another three volumes of direct predecessor kind of things here. So I I think we'll go in order, 15, 16, 17. Um, Volume 15 is a real short one, but it's a made up language. Ah, yeah. A made-up language and uh, another reused character design. Okay. Uh, talking about spoilers and how they don't matter much in Dr. Slump, Senbei eventually gets married to his long-term crush, Midori, who's RLA's teacher at school. Right. And so eventually they have a child. Um, at the very end of Volume 14, it's revealed that Midori's pregnant, and so she she starts to give birth at the end of Volume 14, and uh, Toriyama's like, he says, oh, well, you know, this is the end of the volume, so hang in there until the next volume, which is a joke that I have to assume was put in for the like the collected release. Right, because it makes no sense week to week. Yeah, because they actually, there was a similar thing like that with Dragon Ball where a uh, great Sayaman, mm-hmm. when he when he appears, um, he, he goes to rescue Videl and the robbers, they ask like, who are you? And he says, um, in the in when it ran in jump, he says, I'll tell you next week. And, but in the collected version and, you know, every subsequent version, he says, I'll tell you on the next page. They do that sometimes with these kind of jokes. Anyway, so in volume 15, Senbei and Midori's son Turbo is born. 
And at first, he's a regular baby, but then Senbei takes him out and is very negligent. He's a very negligent parent. And so, <laughs> as often happens, his young child is run over by a passing UFO. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And struck dead as it happens. But fortunately, these aliens uh, have a kind of fancy medical device. They put the turbo in it. It cures him. And it also, because he's so young, it messes up his brain. And it, from then on, he's a super genius psychic baby who can talk <laughs> and float around. He floats and... around. Yep. He just kind of like moves his fingers. If you remember that from Dragon Ball, where he yeah, yeah, puts yeah. the dragon radar back together. He's essentially Dr. Manhattan as a baby. Right, right. That makes any sense. It's and great. So the, the Dragon Ball connection here is that the aliens, unlike pretty much every other alien, not only in Dr. Slump, but in Dragon Ball, they have mm -hmm. their own language that they speak. And this language, this written like in the comics, so it has this very, this made up alien script, which looks pretty similar to Namekian as we see it in Dragon Ball. And also like in early Dragon Ball, like when Bulma in the town where they fight the rabbit gang, mm -hmm. there's like random signs that are also in gibberish and it looks pretty much the same as Namekian and this language. So got it. It's like Toriyama's default gibberish script. And the other big thing here. So, so the aliens themselves, they talk alien language, but they have a robot there to translate for them. In fact, this robot is here only to translate for the audience's benefit. <laughs> it, you know, this kind of fourth wall breaking thing, but this robot looks exact. They reused this robot design. Well, first off, I should say this robot also appears in the final movie on the discotheque set. As ah. the, there's So in that movie, there's an entire city of robots, and so they've got this robot among them. Great. But, um, Look so, forward but, to it. Yes. And then in Dragon, so in Dragon Ball Z, movie six with the big get a star, they also have that robot on board. Is that the, the little helper robot that drags yeah, everyone yeah. around? Basically, He's awesome. Like, yeah, the robot who, I guess he's sort of a guide robot. He, um, when they've got Yajirobe and everyone captured, and so they're going to dissect them and use them right. for fuel. And he, he explains very cheerfully this whole process to them. He's awesome. Yeah. Probably the so, star of that movie. Exactly. And he's in Dr. Slump, too. Like, this is where his career began. All right. Uh, we're actually going back to a little bit of afterlifey, godly stuff here. And that's Enma Dio, who is, well, he's, he's Enma. Yeah. So I know. Uh, we got a question on the forums not too long ago from mm -hmm. someone who wanted to know if, like, they had just started watching Yu Yu Hakusho. And, of course, in Yu Yu Hakusho, there's also an Enma Dayo, a King right. Yama. And they wanted to know if this was a reference to the Enma Dayo in Dragon Ball. But, of course, Enma Dayo is a recurring feature of Japanese manga and anime because he is a uh, the Buddhist judge of the dead. He originated in Hinduism as Yama, King Yama in Hinduism. And then from there, he was kind of transferred to Buddhism. And with Buddhism, he spread into China. And then from China, he spread into Japan. And so with that kind of linguistic uh, changeovers, he becomes Enma in Japanese. Right. So he's a real character in so much as gods can be real. He's one of the few mythological characters in Dragon Ball who's based on like right. actual mythology instead of just, you know, stuff Toriyama makes up. Mm -hmm. And so that is why he appears in Dr. Slump as well. And yeah, so in volume 16, there's another one of those longer-ish storylines where Senbei dies by getting hit by a coconut 
that falls that flies from a tree that Sunsukusun punches as part of his kung fu training. And so he goes to the afterlife and Arale just kind of accompanies him and Enmadayo's there and he tries to send them all to hell after Arale gets poop on his face. Uh, so they're going to hell, which involves going on a pirate ship for some reason, a flying pirate ship. And uh, fortunately, the people to hell are being conducted by one of Arale's old friends, Chivil, the chibi devil. Yes, yes. And so he helps them escape and all's well that ends well. But so the main thing to note here is that this version of Enma Dayo that we see is a lot closer to the traditional Japanese portrayal of the character where he's wearing these very old-fashioned oriental robes. Yeah, you say that, but even still, he's big, he's at a desk, he's got the horned yeah, yeah. hat on. Well, he he's always big and he always has horns or a horned hat, and he's usually at some kind of desk. I mean, that's the whole thing where all of these gods, it's a bureaucracy. They have jobs to do. I mean, that's a thing that comes like right from Chinese mythology, and it's one of the things that like Journey to the West kind of parodies almost. And it's so good, the yeah. official holy horse maintainer. You know, it's Toriyama kind of drawing directly from uh, Oriental mythology and like, for lack of a better term, the kind of shared mythology of uh, that whole region. And so anyway, um, in comparison to the version of Enma, we see in Dragon Ball, who's wearing, you know, he wears that purple suit. But otherwise, they're, you know, pretty much the same because there's a fairly set idea of what this character should look like. Right, right. I mean, in Yu Yu Hakusho as well, he's giant. He's got the horns. He has a desk. I Like Yu Yu Hakusho in general, it kind of borrows the entire uh, afterlife as a bureaucracy with paperwork to fill. Pretty wholesome. It's kind of a common trope, really. Right. And so it's less about being Dragon Ball, more about that's just what the idea of this character is. Yes. But we mentioned it anyway. Right. Well, we kind of have one more, and that's uh, not quite the final volume, but as we lead up to the end of Dr. Slump, we get a very big bad guy that's kind of similar to a last final big bad guy in Dragon Ball. Yes, and as it happens, this is also this character is also featured in uh, one of the movies on the discotheque set. <laughs> Again, I say, look forward to it. Astounding coincidence here, but so yeah, these like Doctor Slump movies, they kind of reuse stuff from the series, and so the fourth Doctor Slump movie is a very loose adaptation of this long, this long, long by Doctor Slump standard storyline in Volume Seventeen, and so. Part of this storyline is that Akane, one of Arale's friends, she's out on a date with uh, Sun Sukusun, and by an amazing coincidence, she's kidnapped by bad guys in a big zeppelin who are looking for this uh, princess who happens to look exactly like her. And so Sun Sukusun, he teams up with the princess and with Arale, and they go uh, chase after these bad guys to get Akane back. And at the very end, the bad guy's secret weapon, they're from this like quasi-Middle Eastern country, and so of course their secret weapon is a genie trapped inside a teapot this genie comes out and it looks fairly similar to boo it has the same outfit as boo and mm -hmm. I, of course i should note the word here in japanese is majin like with uh, majin boo i mean much more of a you know we've kind of we've had this debate in the past about how appropriate whether or not it's appropriate in the case of majin boo to translate majin as genie or jin right and i mean with boo boo's kind of his own story but like with this character like it could not possibly be be a more obvious genie character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Majin's one of those words that I think because it was adopted by the Funimation English dub, it's just one of those things like, I don't know, like Roshi, like Senzu, Majin, they're, they're Japanese words and phrases. They're not 
names baba as well yeah like need to make a list of like all the characters whose uh, titles are treated as names in english or i think i did that once and then no one cared and i got oh, depressed well. and i moved on with my life anyway so <laughs> with this character i will say that with the uh, discotheque set the subtitles do call him a genie makes sense which i mean yeah he grant even he grants wishes even well he has magic uh Anyway, so with this character, I don't think there's any debate that it's an appropriate translation. Anyway, so this guy, he comes out. He looks he like he's got the same outfit as Boo. He He's really strong. He defeats Arale and Gachan, which is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Like, A, Arale, she can split the earth in half. She can do pretty much anything. The jokes throughout the series is she can basically effortlessly defeat any anything that comes her way. She's basically one punch man before there was a one punch man. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but sometimes there will be an enemy who can stand up to her. And one of them was uh, one of, well, two of the Carmel men actually give her a good fight. Like one of them actually beats her. And then, so the pattern is, is that any enemy who Arale cannot defeat will be defeated by Gachan. But so this um, genie, he's the only character to defeat both Arale and Gachan. And so who should he be defeated by but soon Sukusun when he gets really angry and becomes really million times powerful? And uh, soon Sukusun just kind of picks this guy up and throws him far off into the distance where he won't cause any more trouble. Means he should still be out there to this day, but... <laughs> yeah, speaking of character fates, the margin of Dr. Slump is out there somewhere. Somewhere. Anyway, and so, I mean, it just, it seems like a funny coincidence more so than anything that the final, well, more or less the final and most powerful enemy in Dr. Slump should also be a Majin who looks very similar to Boo. Good stuff. So here's where we enter the shilling portion of the podcast. Discotech's Dr. Slump movie collection, it's movies one through five, comes out in about a week. It's officially due out July 29th. You can order it from a variety of places. Amazon helps us out more than other things, but it is a little cheaper on Right Stuff right now. Right Stuff has it for $19. Amazon's fluctuating a little bit. It's almost full retail. They have it for $28, but I have seen it down to around $23, $24 over there. So you got a little bit of time to decide where you're going to order it. Uh, I think as it has been described, this is kind of it. If this does well, there's a possibility for more. If this does not do well, that's pretty much it for Dutch Slump. I mean, there's another five plus movies to go. And of course, the main TV series, which is over 200 episodes. Mm-hmm. So a lot more stuff they could put out if there's interest. Right. And I guess we can say this is based off of what is the Dragon Box equivalent. Dr. Slump did get that over in Japan. So it looks and sounds as good as Dr. Slump is going to look. There's some really great animation, um, in particular, the second movie, The Space Adventure. Oh, people really love that one. I've seen that mentioned a lot leading up to the film, uh, the movie releases here. Yeah. It's about twice as long as all the other movies on the set. It's like an hour or so. And it's, yeah, it's this huge, it's this parody of all the big uh, space epics that they had during the 80s. Mm-hmm. Really classic uh, 80s animation there. Really great. I am quite excited. I've got mine on pre-order. So Jake, with this in mind, this is coming out here. We uh, Let's give one away. Yay. Uh, how do we want to do this? This is, we haven't done a contest like this in quite some time. So let's hash it out in real time here on the show. We haven't really discussed it. What do you think would be an appropriate way to give uh, away a copy of this DVD set? Well, my initial idea was that we set up this site so that only people who buy the set can get news on the upcoming DBZ movie. But <laughs> that, that's, Send us proof of purchase. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not feasible. So instead, that's we're just. Evil. Yeah, we'll just give these 
away for free and uh, maybe have people send in bad puns. Maybe we'll do that. I, I like that. And it's going to require social media. Uh, it's just a, a good way for us to track that kind of thing. I'm going to require Twitter just because it's the easiest. It's free to sign up. If you only want to use it for this contest and nothing else, you can do that. Make yourself like a contest entry Twitter account. Uh, so let's do that. Come up with your best joke with a pun in it. It can be a Dragon Ball pun. It can be a Dr. Slump pun. Uh, just a very punny joke. Send it to us at Konzenshu. That is K-A-N-Z-E-N-S-H-U-U. And let's get a hashtag in there. What do you think it should be? Slump pun? <laughs> yeah. Why not? That seems That's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> S-L-U-M-P-U-N, slump pun, hashtag S-L-U-M-P-U-N. So give us your best Dragon Ball and or Dr. Slump jokey pun. Tweet it at Konzenshu. We will wrap this up up let's see let's do two weeks on this just so we can give some time for the sets to actually get out there or do you want to do it in a week so people know ahead of time if they don't have to buy it uh yeah a week let's do that let's do yeah, it a yeah. week. so um let's do it for monday which would be the day before it comes out which i guess would be the 28th all right so get your entries in on twitter by monday july 28th Eighth, I'm going to set it at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. We will cut it off at that point. And the four of us at Consensual will kind of go through the overall list. And we'll choose our favorite. And that person will get a free Dr. Slump movie set courtesy of... Well, mostly Brady, but Discotech yeah. as well. Jake, congrats on, uh, I guess this is like your first real official industry work. I guess so. It's for reals now. You're doing real for work reals. and Julian's accredited all the way up. So Yay. we have real translators if anyone wants to ask us again. <laughs> if anyone should doubt our authority, then let them look no further than this uh, poop joke filled dvd set That's right we are the authority on poop i guess we're going to bring this episode to a close this has been episode 366 of our podcast at consensu i have been mike that has been jake we implore you to purchase the dr slump movies one through five set from discotheque on dvd it's region one but it's 2014 you know what to do with regions and dvds at this point you can figure that out uh jake what do you feel like is on the horizon for you at konsenju assume i'm going to probably have to translate stuff about the new movie yes we're we're, we're on such different time zone schedules right now <laughs> we, at any given time we have a content manager and a translator awake so it's pretty nice of course, it's like I'm in a different time zone, but my schedule, like I work the night shift, so it like cancels out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I guess really, if you look at all those crossover times between Heath's work schedule as well, and then me at a as normal as it can be and on an Eastern time zone schedule, and then Julian in Japan, it, it all somehow works out. So look forward to that. Uh, Jake, I guess I'll hit you up with news when Julian's asleep. That's that. Again, this has been 366, www.kanzenshu.com. That is com. We will be crazy with movie news up until and probably a year after the movie releases. I was I actually tweeted out a photo earlier today because I want to do more with photos. I love good pictures. And I kind of grabbed down all of the main resources and reference materials that we use for Battle of Gods. You wouldn't believe just the random one-off 
magazines that had an interview with Nozawa here, a, a quote from Watanabe over here, something from Yamamura over there. It's it's a lot, and we're about to enter that time all over again. You have your own personal uh, Shoko Nakagawa library now. I will. I can create a shrine. Man, do you think we're going to get any more of those, let's call them stunt castings again? Nakagawa, not so much. I mean, she's a real voice actress and singer and stuff, but the Kaori Matsumoto, you think we'll get something like that again? Where they parade someone out just to do stuff? I really hope not, but... I wouldn't be surprised. That's the kind of stuff we have to look forward to again, where it's uh, kind of the most uninteresting information all alongside these groundbreaking, oh my God, this is how this happened. You think it's going to be the same though? Because I mean, we had so many things that Toriyama changed last time. Are we going to get that many interesting stories? Well, only time will tell, but I mean, I, yeah, I do kind of hope it's a more streamlined process. I mean, my one hope for this movie is that it has a villain with a very clear, indisputable name pun. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Just right off the bat, like, I don't know, apple. No, oh, we've already had that. Oh, yeah. Um, cranberry sauce, the, the the super god of destruction. We've already had cranberry before, uh, too. Um, well, what's... Be- oh, vo- oh, we've already had vodka. We've already had... Coors Light, the super duper god of ultra destruction. I love it. New Perfect. sponsor for the film. That's right. You heard it here first, Kanzenshu, giving you beer puns. We're done. Peace out, folks. <laughs>